They carried the soldier's greatest fear, which was the fear of blushing. Men killed and died because they were too embarrassed not to. It was what had brought them to the war in the first place. Nothing positive, no dreams of glory or honor, just to avoid the blush of dishonor. They died so as to not die of embarrassment. Hey there, listeners. I'm Margaret Brown, and welcome back to another podcast. So today we're going to be discussing the book, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. Um, it's a collection of short stories about um, the author's experiences in Vietnam. Um, it was written to kind of tell the truth about um, what people are going through, what um, veterans are going through. Um, and it was also written as a um, coping as a mechanism for Tim O'Brien to process what he had been through. In one of his interviews, Tim O'Brien talked about um, the book and how it affected its readers. Um, And I thought it was really interesting. He talked about um, this encounter that he had with a son um, whose father served in Vietnam and never really talked about it, but his family knew that he was going through something. So his son read the book to kind of understand um what his father had gone through and a lot of um, veterans who read this book can really connect to it and they know that it's telling the truth and they know that it's um what really happened um and the son of the man who fought in um Vietnam was very grateful to Um, Tim O'Brien because he finally got to understand what his father was going through. Circling back to the opening quote that I just um, read, um, the idea of dishonor and um, kind of embarrassment um, not to go to war and kind of dealing with that Um, and he says, um, it was what had brought them to the war in in the first place, nothing positive, no dreams of glory or honor, just to avoid the blush of dishonor. So that kind of exemplifies the societal pressure that they had to, um, deal with in making the decision to go to war. And Tim O'Brien talks about, um, or he writes about in one of the first chapters um, on the Rainy River what, like, his process of what should I do? Should I go flee to Canada? Should I um, serve? And his family was kind of telling him, like, no, you, like, please stay safe. Um, But then he had to kind of think about his um, the future, and when he can't, when he comes back from the war, like, um, if 
he had fled, he would be dishonored and um, full of embarrassment. And if he came back from the war, like his future wife, um, his society would be proud of him. And I think that's what a lot of the soldiers kind of went through when they were processing what to do about the draft, which makes it a hundred times worse because when the soldiers, specifically in Vietnam, came back from the war, the society's opinion had changed because they had seen what was happening in the war. It was kind of the first time that they had seen footage of a war in the burning <laughs> villages and um, children and men and women. Um, and so the society's opinion had changed about what we were doing in Vietnam and that on top of all the trauma that the soldiers went through, that completely shattered them like they the reason that they went to war was because their society was pressuring them and then to come home and realize that their communities and that their country wasn't proud of them anymore is kind of really really difficult because they were just following orders they went to serve because they had to serve for their country those eyes on me, the town, the whole universe, and I couldn't risk the embarrassment. It was as if there were an audience to my life. That swirl of faces along the river. In my head, I could hear people screaming at me. Traitor! They yelled. This quote, I think, is very versatile in that it if taken from one perspective, you can kind of see uh, how the society um, thinks of him as a traitor if he doesn't go to fight. But then if you look at it from another side, um, which I think is very um, powerful, when they come back from the war, the same quote can be applied to them because... In both scenarios, if Tim O'Brien went to Canada, didn't fight, he would have been a traitor. When he comes back and he does what um, everybody wanted him to do, he's also being called a traitor. And I think that that's very powerful and exemplifies the conflicts that these soldiers were put in. Within this unit, we kind of have been talking about the idea that um, writing is a form of therapy um, and getting ideas out on paper and being able to write them down, process them, and put them away um, is very powerful for people, especially people who are dealing with PTSD, and it's one of the um, coping mechanisms that's recommended. Um, but I thought it was interesting, um, in the chapter Good Form, um, Tim O'Brien 
talks about um, the truth and how it can be altered. Um, and that was a big argument um, in our class about whether or not Tim O'Brien is telling the truth in this story. And is it the honest, true, um, every little detail, is every little detail true in this story? And I honestly believe that it's not all true, but there's this quote um, from the book, I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to know why story truth is truer sometimes than happening truth. And then um, he says, I can look at things I never looked at. I can attach faces to grief and love and pity and God. I can be brave. I can make myself feel again. Daddy, tell the truth, Kathleen can say. Did you kill anybody? And I can say honestly, of course not. Or I can say honestly, yes. Um, and I think that's a big um, theme throughout the book of what is the truth and did this actually happen and I it connects a lot with um why this book is so good for people to read and good for people to understand because um he exaggerates the truth a little bit but it's in order to make us understand what him and his fellow soldiers are going through and I I don't think that's lying I don't think that that's something that should um make the book seem dishonest um I think it's a cry for help honestly because there's a lot of people suffering from PTSD in our country and I think reading this book even if it is an exaggerated form of the truth civilians are never going to understand what it actually is like to serve and be in the middle of combat zones so I think over exaggerating the truth is a very effective way of getting people to understand what Tim O'Brien was going through. In the chapter Field Trip, it's really interesting um, to see how he kind of parallels his daughter to society and how we don't understand and um, himself to the soldiers who actually understand. And some of them may not be able to process what they went through. Um, but I just think it's interesting because she can't understand the war and why her father fought in it uh and she is a blatant representation of how people around veterans and society can't really understand the things that they have gone through so the chapter that kind of affected me the most was sweetheart of the song Chabong. um it's a interesting chapter to say the least um it's about a girl who um comes to the war um to visit her soldier uh fiance and she kind of like everything in the war kind of 
um, overwhelms her and she goes off and uh, lives in this in the woods with a necklace of tongues and uh, just other non-human like things um, but it's interesting how at least in my opinion I think that um, she represents kind of a loss a complete and utter loss of humanity uh, and she is channeling her fear and representing her fear on the outside rather than kind of internalizing her fear and I think that's one of the things that a lot of the soldiers in order to not go insane internalize their fear and when they get back um, they don't really know what how to process or what to do with anything that they've dealt with um, so I think that's just it goes to show the trauma and how much um, war can affect someone enough to lose their humanity if they're not equipped to do that certain thing um it's something where when I discuss this in the um, group discussion but it's something where you need to be able to separate your your personality and emotions from this kind of outside shell of protection um and you need not incorporate those two because if you do, then you're going to have a harder time transitioning into um, back into society after uh, what you've been through. I think a lot of the soldiers, you can see a lot of them kind of the ones who kept their personality in the battlefield did not do well when they came home like um. And I think Tim O'Brien did a good job when he was serving, um, separating his own emotions and personality from what he needed to do and what he was being told to do by his superiors. Um, and that kind of protects the vulnerability and allows him to learn about to kind of process what had happened and be able to write this book. Um. There was no music. Most of the hamlet had burned down, including her house, which was now smoke. And the girl danced with her eyes half-closed, her feet bare, she was maybe 14. She had black hair and brown skin. Why is she dancing, Azar said. We searched through the wreckage, but there wasn't much to find. The girl danced mostly on her toes. She took tiny steps in the dirt in front of her house, sometimes making a slow twirl, sometimes smiling to herself. Why is she dancing, Azar said. Henry Dobbins said it didn't matter why, she just was. Later, we found her family in the house. They were dead and badly burned. It wasn't a big family, an infant, an old woman, and a woman whose age was hard to tell. When we dragged them out, the girl kept dancing. 
she put her palms of her hands against her ears, which must have meant something. She danced sideways for a short while, then backwards. She did a graceful movement with her hips. Well, I don't get it, Azar said. The girl went up on her toes and made a slow turn and danced through the smoke. Her face had a dreamy look, quiet and composed. A while later, when she moved out of the hamlet, she was still dancing. Probably some weird ritual, Azar and said. But Henry Domins looked back and said, No, the girl just liked to dance. In this chapter's style, which I kind of just read most of, um, it describes a girl dancing in the wreckage of her village. Um, Personally, I think that this is one of the most powerful passages of the book because it really exemplifies the confusion and the strange feelings that everybody was going through at this point in time. Um, I think the girl clearly represents innocence and she does not know what to do. She doesn't know how to cope with what's going on. Um, And I'm almost kind of disgusted by the men in this chapter because, or at least as are in this chapter, because they have little to no, or he has little to no respect for why the girl was dancing and he doesn't um, understand who she was. Um, it's kind of very sociopathic in a way. He has disconnected um, his emotions for other people. And, I mean, it could go further in that they are trained that these people are the enemy. um, And he doesn't, he can't comprehend that this person, this girl, who in his head is the enemy and who's not really a person could be doing this simple uh, action that's shared among all cultures, dancing, twirling, tiptoeing. It kind of shows the innate human ability to find pleasure even during moments of object horror um and it's not that it's pleasure it's just the girl is trying to process this and azar is like she like why would why um these aren't people why is she mourning them he doesn't he's disconnected himself and he's disconnected He's not treating the locals as people. Thank you all so much for listening to my ideas about Tim O'Brien's The Things They Carried. 
Um, I hope this inspires everyone to go out and read the book and let me know what you guys think. Um, Did you interpret things differently? Do you think he is telling the truth? Um, Let me know. Bye, everyone.